This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought by Henry Oil since 1947. What a Rhode Island success story. Folks, call them today, 401-521-0200, Henry Oil. It's Carmine, it's Lori. As I said, since 1947, full-service fuel company, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, 24-hour burner service for contracted regular customers. They have oil burner service and installation, automatic delivery, budget plans, lock and cap pricing, serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200, 401-521-0200, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery. It's Henry Oil, residential and commercial fuel oil delivery. Go with a local company that you can support and depend on. Henry Oil in 1947. It was Carmine Henry DeSanto. Delivered that fuel oil with a single truck operation from his gas station on Manton Avenue in Providence. And now the tradition continues. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Serving Rhode Island and parts of Mass since 1947. Call my friends at Henry Oil today. 401 You can also, as I mentioned, check out their website. It's henryoil.com, henryoil.com. Take advantage of the lock and cap pricing or the oil burner service and installation or their automatic delivery or their budget plans. Full service fuel company that you can depend on, Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, 401-521-0200, online at henryoil.com. This is the John DePietro Show, weekdays at 11 to 2 on AM 1380, 99.9. Remember, visit the Facebook page. It's John DePietro Show. You can always email me, john at depietro.com. We are going to talk more about the coronavirus And also, obviously, everything with the race to the White House. But there's several stories in the news locally that I want to mention. And one is, I feel terrible for the members of Metacomet. Brad Faxon and some of the other owners sued by Metacomet. Eight members of the Metacomet Golf Club have filed a lawsuit against the club owners, including local golf legend Brad Faxon, claiming breach of contract, misrepresentation, fraud, and other charges. Now, the people that filed this, you know, the facts and people are trying to dismiss them. Oh, they're just some disgruntled people. Uh, well, one's an attorney, son of former Superior Court Judge uh, Presiding Justice Joe Rogers. The other one is uh, the uh, sur- surgeon in chief at Miriam Rhode Island Hospital. I know a number of people at Metacomet. This situation that facts and, and they're involved with, I feel terrible for the people of Metacomet. There's no reason why this course should go away. Now, they bought it. Faxon and a group of partners, I'm not denying that they've had some problems with the club, but they came in and basically said, hey, listen, you know, we're golfers. We're going to fix this thing. We're going to pump millions into it. The suit says that they said, you know, first we're going to get five million and then we're going to start pumping millions in. And instead, I mean, according to the story, I'm reading the story in the journal. And then according to the lawsuit, basically, it sounds like they put up a couple hundred thousand and now they're going to turn it around and they're just going to sell it for a huge profit to some developer, this this uh, Marshall. Dev- and I don't even know who this 
developer is, but this is rotten. Hey, listen, this Marshall development, you came in and said to everybody, you know, we have a plan and here's what we're going to do. And you were trusted because, you know, your love for the game of golf and your golfers and you've played there. And, and I remember at the time, I know some members at Metacomet and they weren't sure the, the direction of the club and there's different people. And there were people, by the way, they were stepping in and offering pretty good amount of money, but they felt, you know what, let's go with the real thing, right? Let's go with a, a Brad Faxon. I mean, in Rhode Island, you can't get any bigger in golf than Brad Faxon, Billy Andre. And I don't want to take anything away uh, from those guys. I've met both. I've spoken to both in the past. Um, in the past, I mean, they have raised what they've done with the CVS tournament in Barrington and Rhode Island Country Club is is nothing short of phenomenal. It's it's uh, they they attract great great golfers and they have raised so much money for CVS. It's a first class tournament. But that aside, th- this is like a swindle. I don't blame the people from Metacomet from being upset. Now, Brad Faxon and his partners. They've had it less than a year. You can't suddenly just say, oh, change your plans. We're going to sell it to this developer. Let's back, hold on, time out. Let's back up the clock for a minute. The people at Metacomet, they could have sold it to this Marshall development. They could have sold it if that's what they wanted to do, but they didn't do it. They sold it to you because they wanted to save the golf course. I mean, they're not local yokels. These are not so local idiots. They could have sold it. Why, why do you think they sold it to Brad Faxon and Partners at the lowest price possible because they were trying to help them and hoping that they could turn it around and save golf? Think of for Metacomet to go away. I mean, that and, and it's preventable and it's avoidable, but they could have sold it to the developer in the first place. And they certainly didn't need to sell it for what they sold it to for Brad Faxon and his, and his group. And they can't suddenly just turn around and say, well, you know, times have changed and this is business. We've had a development timeout. No way. And I don't blame the members of Metacomet. You have people that have played golf there for years. You have friendships. You have weddings that are there. You have tradition. I've played at Metacomet. It's a beautiful club. They have great membership. Uh, When I played there, I mean, everything. I'm not saying it doesn't need some renovations. And maybe, maybe then Faxon and the group should have come in and said, Hey guys, it's for, for what this place needs. We just don't have the funding for it. And then you go along, but, but, or at least try to come up with something, maybe something that it's part developed and then save some part of the club, but don't just turn around and flip it. And then don't say, Hey, it's the changing nature of golf. God, this was a year ago. This wasn't like you bought it 20 years ago or 10 years ago, even, and you're trying to make a go of it. And I get that not as many, maybe not as many young people, are playing golf and there definitely is more competition with, with some of the other courses, the nicer courses uh, that they, they pumped a lot of money in, whether it's Newport national. And again, I, I mean, that's far, but for someone that maybe used to live in Bristol, maybe they say, yeah, I could drive farther down and it's just as nice or something. You have shelter Harbor, you point you to, you have a number of different country clubs and you have country clubs that, you know, many of them have, have been struggling and trying to get members, I mean that that's that's the nature of it. It's it, it is expensive, but this business that they got the members at Metacomet to step in, and it certainly sounds. I mean, one thing I know about a lot of the members at Metacomet is they're a tight knit group, and you have a lot of uh, grandfathers and fathers and sons and grandsons. 
that play there. It means a lot to people. And people have lifelong friendships there. And you you do every, they were willing to try try to do everything possible to keep Metacomic going and to try to keep it in the shape that uh, that it is had has been in. And I recognize that they've had some past dues and things fell in disrepair. But then you you don't just turn around and say, oh, on second thought, we're not going to save the club. If you step forward, now this suit is saying, and we'll get into this with our uh, legal analyst, Tim Dodd, but according to the members, they claim that Faxon and his partners, that they stepped in and said, we're going to pump millions into it. And so, okay, and they were excited. And the the, the uh, members of Metacomet, which is right in East Providence, it's a ni- nice course, um, that they were excited. Good. Like we have a real golf guy, right? We have a real golf guy that's going to save it for us. And so then they uh, sell it to him and the partners and, and they don't pump in millions. They apparently put in like 200,000 and then suddenly now they're going to sell it for millions. That That is ridiculous. And, and, and I hope a couple things here. Now, number one, they should be able to, they should stop the sale because if, if this is the way they lay it out, which is there was supposed to be a plan and there was a plan to raise uh, five million for people that might invest in it. And if they say we're going to spend, you know, we're going to start with one million and do renovations from there. Well, then the plan should have been carried out. Now, as far as if this is a money pit and Faxon and his partners feel like, hey, listen, you know, we can't just be pouring, throwing good money after after bad. And this thing is just a total money pit. Well, then you shouldn't have bought it in the first place because it certainly raised everybody's hopes. And they talk about that. They apparently had a November 18th town hall style meeting at Metacomet. And they were faxing and the partners and they talked about, you know, let's, we're going to get this back up to the way it used to be. And maybe, you know, we're going to ask you to gut it out for a little bit. And we're going to, unfortunately, we're going to have to let the public in a little bit. And they even assessed each member 3,800 for the 2020 golf season. And then three months later, they were alerted no negotiations to sale. And then on apparently February 27th, um, the sale to Marshall, development was announced but it, it talk about not acting in good faith now i don't know everything about it right now it's on behalf of eight members i think that number is going to grow i know people are upset about it um and i know maybe uh, uh brad faxon felt hey listen i'm i'm trying to try to step in here and help you guys well then help them then even say um you know i'm going to have some kind of a uh, a consultant role or commission something like that but you don't step in, right, and tell every. I mean, th- th- this is brutal. We're gonna we're gonna save Meta Comet. We're gonna do that, and then suddenly, instead, you you take it over, and then and then flip it. And 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 I don't I don't blame the people of the members of Meta Comet for being upset. Look at how how would and I I don't have to get into too many different analogies, but let's just say if you had you know a ball club. Let's just say years down the road, you know, the Patriots fell in in uh, bad hands and maybe the Kraft family didn't have the Patriots anymore. And all of a sudden, you know, people don't know what they're going to do. And the team's having hard times and what's going to happen to the team and the stadium. And all of a sudden, Tom Brady, right, shows up on the scene and says, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to sell it to me at this low price and then I'm going to. I'm going to, we're going to restore it to its glory and blah, blah, blah. And then 
less than a year later, he's moving the, the Patriots to another place. You know, I just thought of there's that scene in the movie. Uh, that's the that's the movie Wall Street, right? With Gordon Gecko. He steps in and it's uh, the airline that Charlie Sheen's father works for, Martin Sheen. And they get them to go in with him. And he says, you know, we're going to, if the unions will take a pay cut and we're going to open up the roots, we're going after the majors and this whole big deal. And as soon as Blue Star, as soon as they, they, uh, they get a hold of it, what, what is uh, Michael Douglas, Gordon Gecko do? He, they, they're dismantling the airline. And then when Charlie Sheen asks him about it, he's like, uh, you know, well, why did you do it? And he says, cause it's wreckable. Hey, that's just business. You know, you're going to parachute out with all this money. Charlie Sheen walks into the meeting of Wall Street. They're selling the planes to the Mexicans. This thing is a for sale sign. Uh, it, it, it's a going out of business. It's, it, and the whole thing was said like, hey, listen, if you let me control your airline, we're going to restore it to its glory. We're going to go after the majors, as Charlie Sheen says in Wall Street. Well, how is that different than, hey, listen, when you got, you know, Rick Pitino came to town. And what did he tell the Friar Faithful? I want you to go to bed at night dream about cutting down nets that's what uh, rick patino said and then in, and and you know what he delivered they did go to the final four but this is uh, completely unacceptable i mean this business with with brad faxon this this is bad and i don't blame but i i repeat i don't blame the members for being upset if this thing they didn't pour in millions if you say we have a plan First, we're going to spend $1 million, and then we're going to raise enough capital, and then we're going to get it to $5 million. Okay, everybody's on board. All right, there's going to be some tough times, right? But then in the end, it's going to be worth it because we're going to have a club we can be proud of. And um, and all of a sudden, now you're flipping it to this Marshall development, and you're like, hey, tough luck, guys. That's just business. That That is not business. You're taking away a country club that people loved. It is the John DePietro Show. When your appliance is dying, just call Ryan, Ryan's Appliance Repair. Call them today, 401-710-7096, 401-710-7096, Ryan's Appliance Repair. Now, I like to tell the story. I don't mind. But one morning, I went up to uh, get up to use the dryer and just had done a wash, and suddenly it wouldn't work. Now, did I panic? No. Did I try to fix it? Don't be ridiculous. No, I called Ryan's Appliance Repair at 401 401- 710-7096. We made an appointment. Ryan said, Juan, I'll be there at, at 9 o'clock. At 5 of 9, a truck appeared in my driveway. It said, Ryan's appliance repair. He came right in, fixed the driver, uh, dryer Excuse me, within five minutes. And then, I think it was about two weeks later, I went to make uh, microwave popcorn, and then suddenly the microwave wouldn't work. So what did I do? I called Ryan's appliance repair at 401-710-7096. And then one time, even the oven wasn't working. And again, who did I call? You get the gist of the story. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Now, Ryan offers a senior citizen's discount. All work is guaranteed for 90 days parts and labor. And he'll also do a Saturday appointment. It's Ryan's Appliance Repair. When your appliance is dying, you know who to call. Call Ryan, 401-710-7096. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at dipietro.com. Remember, you can email me. It's my name, john at dipietro.com. Also, you can listen uh, through one of the free apps, TuneIn Radio app, Simple Radio app. They're free. Just download them uh, to your phone or your iPad and then just search 
WNRI. Now, we've been talking about the coronavirus, and, and I want to address, I'm somewhat concerned because I see these people posting, and on the Facebook page and other places, and I haven't said anything prior to this, but every time I'm posting about it, people are posting fake news. Oh, this is just the Democrats trying to go after the president, blah, blah, blah. This whole big, I, I don't know where this is coming from. Um, I think a lot of times people that are posting it, a lot of times I agree with you. But like I try to say, you have to kind of step out of yourself a little bit. Um, I have been a very big Trump supporter, as many of you know. I think they have handled this very poorly. And the, some of the things happening on television, whether it's Trish Regan or some of these others, it's it's actually embarrassing the way some of these people are, are coming off. Uh, this has nothing to do. I mean, stop being so self-absorbed. Everything's not about the election. There are people dying in Italy that, that don't know anything about President Trump. There are people dying in China that don't know about anything in President Trump. And the Wall Street Journal has a story on the man that... He was the first patient in Rhode Island, one of the first in, in the country, coronavirus patient recounts coming one inch from death. Now, this is vice principal. You've heard me talk about him from St. Raphael's Academy. He did an interview, his first interview with the Wall Street Journal, Mark Thebolt, and he was on that trip. And it is Jennifer Levitz has a tremendous story for all these people saying you know, more people die in car crashes. The media is hyping and blah, blah, blah. He's 48 years old. He was not in bad shape. She writes, he was groggy. Think of this. You're 48 years old, groggy, surrounded by beeping machines, alert enough to know what it meant. He looked up, saw a priest wearing protective gear by his bedside at the Miriam Hospital, Rhode Island. Holy cow, he thought, I'm 48. I'm getting my last rights. Now, is there, is there anyone listening? That That is not a fraud. That's not fake news. This man is recanting the story that what happened to him. And, you know, the story is very compelling. You know, we went on the trip. They came back. As soon as he got back, he said, you know, something's wrong. When he finally got home about midnight, Saturday night, February 22nd, went straight to bed. Next day, went to a walk-in clinic. He has asthma. He exercises every day, really gets sick. Told the clinic I'd been to Italy, even wondered aloud. If he could have the the coronavirus, because while he was there, it was it was getting more intense. He was told you don't fit the criteria at the time for the test because he really didn't have the symptoms, which can include a fever, shortness of breath. But he he certainly felt bad enough that he went to a walk in clinic. So he stayed home from work, got worse, growing fatigue, dry cough, something that resembled bronchitis went to Rhode Island Hospital, again told he didn't meet the criteria for the test. Now, what I take exception with is Governor Armando with the Department of Health have been saying they were all fully prepared, were ready for this. They obviously weren't prepared because the guy went to a walk-in clinic, they sent him home. He went to Rhode Island Hospital and they sent him home. But the doctors were concerned and then he quickly got a call from the Rhode Island Department of Health, which told him to get tested immediately. Now, he had been trying to get tested. A health department spokesperson said the agency can't comment on any specific patient, but noted the CDC's guidance for testing has evolved. We've reviewed each Rhode Island case carefully. In each of those instances, the healthcare facility involved all responded appropriately. Wrong. That's wrong. They shouldn't have sent him home. He was infecting more people. By Thursday night, he was at Miriam Hospital and he tested positive. This was Thursday night, February 27th. He tested positive for the virus and was admitted right away. Now, folks, again, 
It's John DePietro. Those of you who listen to the show know that day, February 27th, that's the day, if you go back on Facebook or see me, I'm wearing my mask. I was telling you that a man has it and he was in the hospital and I was right. I talked to Miriam Hospital that day and they, well, I talked that day and they denied it. And then the same thing on Friday. So uh, he said the virus now hit him like a hurricane. He was weak, had trouble breathing. Hospital whisked him into the ICU. The nurses put on hazmat suits. They inserted a breathing tube, put another tube down his throat for medicine to deal with pneumonia developed in his lungs, gagging and coughing. He felt scared. His lungs would fill with saliva. Nurses would dash in, clear them out, only have to do it again two hours later. The feeling of choking, that was the worst part, he said. You feel like you're you're suffocating, you're panicking because you can't breathe. This went on for days. His wife and two children, ages 2015, unable to visit. They were afraid they'd get infected. He said he's living. Now, this is, a, again, now the man did an interview with the Wall Street Journal, Mark Thebolt, first person at St. Rayfield's Academy, just to get through the next hour, the next hour, the next hour. It's just one time you quit and then you're dead. Even though it was partially sedated, his mind kept spinning. Last week, he forced himself to write a note to his wife telling her that if his lungs collapsed to not keep him on life support, I just don't want to imagine you have to go through this. I didn't want to have that on my wife's shoulders. I didn't want to have to do that. I'm glad she never had to read that note. So then suddenly his lungs started getting better, picked up the pace. When he could speak, he thanked the nurses. He said, what these people did for me the last two weeks, they saved his life. He said, I'm coming through this, hopes we have to leave the hospital by this weekend. Turned on the television, caught up on the news, said he's worried. Now, listen, he's worried some people don't realize how serious it can be. Hopes people are taking the safety steps, washing hands, stay home from, uh, stay home when sick, avoid community spread. This is Mark Thebold now, 48 years old. It almost killed me. And he said, it's alarming when I hear people minimizing it as a simple cold. It was no simple cold for me. This is a coronavirus patient recounts coming one inch from death. Rhode Island's vice principal and intensive care unit, chaperoning school trip to Italy. In the story, he also mentions, and I was the first one to to uh, break this to you, and that is that he believes, now this guy's a germaphobe. He believes what happened was on the trip, they were, uh, and as I had told you, apparently the tour guide was ill and felt he was coming down with the flu and passed the microphone to Mark Thebolt, who was then communicating with the students that way. But one of the things, several things I want you to take away from, and as I've been saying, um, I, I don't understand these people that, and, and granted, I, I think some of it is coming, unfortunately, I hate to say this, but I, I don't think the administration has been handling this well. I don't. I think they've been minimizing it and they've been so afraid about uh, the election or whatever it may be. But, the, you know, this guy, you read this. He he is lucky to be alive. 80% of the cases tend to be mild, but more than 62,000 people have recovered. Older people, although now this guy has, has asthma. So they went abroad. They were in Europe February 14th to the 22nd. They were in Italy. Two others from the trip have also tested positive, but they, now granted, they were not hit as hard as him. So a married father to very popular vice principal, student life, St. Ray's. Um, 
He was thrilled. Chaperone nine day began in Milan, ended in Barcelona, 38 people and said the coronavirus was in the news, but no cases of community spread um, in Italy, no CDC travel warning in effect. When the group landed in Milan, he thought it was strange to listen to this, to see people in hazmat suits in the airport, but everything seemed calm. So then they went to the uh, Riviera and just two days of sightseeing in Italy. I mean, it sounds fantastic. Then he started to hear about Italy cordoning off some towns. By the time they left the French Riviera, he was relieved to be leaving Italy, but it was too late. Italy, as you know, is, I mean, the country is closed now. Germaphobe said he constantly used hand sanitizer, but the group's local tour guide was coming down with the flu, and he and Thiebel passed the microphone back and forth talking to the students. This story was first heard on the John DePietro show. Um, he had no symptoms during the trip, but he felt unusually sluggish on the flight back. Something's wrong is when he told his wife. And then I told you how uh, eventually, I mean, they literally saved his life at Miriam Hospital. I mean, there's just, folks, there's no two ways about it. I think it's also so interesting that Miriam Hospital, the CDC and the Rhode Island Department of Health, they told him to go to Miriam Hospital. And that should not be lost on, on people either. But for those, and I don't understand it, I don't understand people that are minimizing it or trying to act like uh, it's no big deal or a cold or it, I, I, I don't understand any way uh, people that are trying to minimize this. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get any part of it. Again, I did share it on Facebook. It's uh, his first interview with the Wall Street Journal, and it's uh, Mark Thebolt, uh, the assistant principal at St. Raphael's Academy. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by J.K.L. Engineering. Whether it's heating or cooling, you can depend on J.K.L. Engineering. Licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Call them today at 401-351-7600. Listen, we still have a number of months ahead. You're going to need the heat. We don't know what's going to happen. March can still be chilly. April can still be obviously chilly. The heating season. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a natural gas high-efficiency carrier infinity system. They're energy efficient. They're quiet. More affordable than you think. If you're saying no gas, guess what? No problem. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a high-efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, it can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. Highest rebates in the market, and they also do new installation and replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. J.K.L., Carrier Factory, authorized dealer, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You know, for over 53 years, J.K.L.'s reputation, second to none. Technical expertise, customer satisfaction. J.K.L. is an approved National Grid VPI installer. Call J.K.L. Engineering today. Remember, estimates are free. Financing is available for both residential and commercial. Call J.K.L. For a system replacement, oil to gas, for a heat pump, they're going to do it right. They're going to do it right the first time. And remember, with J.K.L. Engineering, they'll keep it nice and cool in the summertime and nice and warm in the wintertime. Central Air is a life changer. Central Air is a game changer. And right now, estimates are free. Financing is available. Licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, the original, the best, J.K.L. Engineering. Call them 
for J.K.L. Engineering. It's John DePietro. This portion of our program is brought to you by K's. Remember, whether it's lunch, dinner, or drinks in a lounge, stop by K's. They're waiting for you. Folks, joining us right now from the Boston Globe, we say hello to our friend Dan McGowan. Good afternoon, Dan. Good afternoon, John. How are you? I'm very well. Hey, Dan, I want to start. Obviously, uh, the Globe coverage has been tremendous. And this is one of those stories. I, I don't know what people had been planning, but everything just really gets pushed to the side. It is dominating. And I'm looking at the headlines are really incredible. Coronavirus cases in mass surged to 92. And now Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker, who was out of state on vacation with his family in Utah as the globe broke, but he has now declared an emergency. It is, um, it is just so rapid. Dan, this story is literally changing by the hour. It, it, you're exactly right, John. I mean, it, you see this... Uh... Very rare, uh, you know, very rarely, I think the one I kind of think back to that was most like this, uh, obviously a much different thing. But if you remember back to the um, uh, the marathon bombing, and yes. remember the, the stretch of, of 72 to 96 hours where we were all just nonstop uh, and, and, you know, every piece of information that comes out, uh, you know, shoots right to the top of what people are reading. And it's very, everything seems like, uh, you know, life or death in, in many ways. I, this kind of feels like that situation, obviously, you know, different, but um, it, it, the, the news just never stops. You know, we're sitting, you're sitting in the newsroom, you know, for, for us in, in our bureau and the, you know, every time you see a, a message from the health department come in, Boy, it's another thing. And, you know, the, the interesting thing about working at the Globe, of course, is Rhode Island was really first uh, on the radar for this. And then now we're starting to see, like you said, you know, Governor Baker declare a state of emergency. You're starting to see, you know, the, the cases in Massachusetts get into the, you know, over 100 now. Uh, and so now, you know, Massachusetts is kind of feeling what Rhode Island, I think, was feeling last week. I think you're right. And uh, and that was seemingly almost I don't. I, yeah, I think for the most part, almost like a real misstep by Governor Baker. But um, it, it is it is uh, it is just going so fast. You know what else, Dan, just from a media standpoint, it's amazing when after you go by a television or I see something on Twitter now that carries and um, the, the, the number of press conferences and they're happening so rapidly and everyone's having the daily updates, which I think are good. But my point is, it's it's many times. I'm then thinking, is this something from earlier? Is this happening now? Because I already saw them speak earlier, and now here they are again having another press conference. But there can't be enough information. Now, let's just stick with the Rhode Island thing for now. Now, two new cases, and I'm reading right now that uh, you, Amanda, and also Ed Fitzpatrick, apparently a traveling to Egypt, a healthcare worker uh, from Rhode Island Hospital, and they've both tested positive and that's coming from the Rhode Island Department of Health. And apparently they're both recovering at home. That, that, that's exactly right. And, and very much, by the way, credit to you. You were the first one to kind of break that there was a healthcare worker in Rhode Island. Yes. Uh, um, uh, that, that sort of uh, had this. And we're, we're still we still don't have a ton of details. Um, we know in the one case, which is the, the other person that has tested positive, was traveling in Egypt. That was their most recent travel. Um, and they're back at home recovering now. And then the healthcare workers, of course, you know, where the real 
for potentially a really scary point because who knows how many people they were ha, have been in contact with, you know, if it was at the hospital uh, or one of the hospitals, things like that. And that person's in their 30s. They too are, uh, you know, recovering at home. But again, you know, it's not about so much the the 30 year old person, you know, or the third person in their 30s who's probably going to turn out to be just fine. It's about how many people did they ever have contact with it. One of the numbers, uh, as you know, John, that, that, that I think we're all really uh, monitoring very closely is every, every day the state has been sending out an updated list and it tells you, who, you know, how many people have tested positive and how many people have tested negative uh, and how many people's tests are pending. But then there's a big number and it's always how many people have we asked to self-quarantine uh, because they've had contact with the, you know, somebody who has tested positive. And that number right now, as we speak, is around 270 people. But God, you could see that number exploding potentially if, like in other states, uh, you, you start to see this, you know, being tied to some sort of health facility or, you know, you saw in Washington very much this, this played out in, you know, a nursing home type of situation because that's where this thing spreads uh, pretty dramatically. It does, Dan McGowan. And the um, the other part about, you know, the Rhode Island hospital worker is then people have to keep in mind the, these people, you know, they all have families. They all go. And obviously that's really dangerous in a hospital. Um, I, I have been told various things. I'm going to hold back at the moment of exactly how that happened. But this is also dangerous for you're just working somewhere and someone just as an example, I'll do a hypothetical, but they come walking in and they say they you know, you don't feel well. And and they're caught off guard, which I, I think everyone has been caught off guard, just how quickly this this spreads, how fast this spreads. Um, the, the Wall Street Journal, they, they do have a story that talks about that first man, uh, Theobald from St. Ray's and yep. something that Department of Health, they still I think, you know, they were caught in a tough bind. But this man went to a clinic, was sent home. This man was sent to a hospital and was then sent home. And then he got a phone call and then ended up at Miriam. But my point is. You know, it's one thing you go into an emergency room, you kind of expect there could be someone coughing or hacking, have germs. But th- this is dangerous, Dan McGowan, because the healthcare workers themselves then become exposed to it. That, that's exactly right. I mean, you saw in, in the story in the Wall Street Journal, uh, the, the, the gentleman, uh, Mr. Thiebolt from St. Saint, Saint Ray, uh, Rayfields, yeah. St. Rayfields says, uh, you know, says like, I, I you know, opened my eyes. There were people in, uh, there was a priest that was, you know, uh, uh, essentially like all covered up too to make sure that he didn't you know, contract anything. I think one of the things that's really interesting, we haven't seen a lot of reporting on this, um, even, even internationally, is this, this concept of, of exactly how contagious is it, right? Because right. uh, what we don't know, you know, everybody keeps saying, well, if you just do a lot of the basics, the, the, the Purell and wash your hands, you know, you may not be exposed, but then, you know, these stories about somebody, you know, wasn't feeling well five days ago and then suddenly it hits them. And then they're, you know, who knows how many people they've been in contact with in between those couple of days. And so I think that's a, that's a real, uh, uh, certainly a really scary point. I I will say 
one of the things that knock on wood a little bit has been really impressive is, you know, you, you think on one hand, the, the nursing, you know, in, in a nursing home or in a hospital, of course, that's where you're going to expect a lot of this to really, you know, expand pretty rapidly. The other place you would normally think would be a school. Right. Uh, and, and knock on wood so far, we haven't seen, you know, a massive outbreak at, at St. St. Ray's, um, and so, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen. But again, you know, we're, we're all learning as we go. Who knows what happens a week from now? No, that's true. And I'm dealing with, you know, I have a, a junior in college and they closed her school and she's home. And next week they're supposed to be off. And now you just got to kind of play it by ear. As much as people say, oh, then they'll just learn online. That That's not exactly the college experience. Oh. You're back at your parents' house and you're just like taking courses online. We could have saved a hell of a lot of money if that was to play it out of the box. Right. You could have taught her. Yeah. Dan McGowan, how do you think um, uh, Governor Amundo, I, I think that since the St. Ray's things happened, I, uh, happened I'll, I'll say that uh, it was tough. He was really one of the first cases that uh, the, the man, Mark Thiebel from St. Ray's, I think, you know, for the most part, I think she's acted uh, pretty well in conjunction with the Rhode Island Department of Health. It's very difficult because there's so many false alarms and there's people that are quarantined. So you don't know the person that you hear that that is, you know, being tested. Is that the person in the hospital? Is that the person that's at home? Is this a different person? I'm finding it's even it's getting tough to track, like how many people that we're actually up to. Then the, then one of the people from St. Ray's actually lives in Massachusetts so they got it in there, but they they're so technically they're a Massachusetts person. I, I'm finding it's just difficult to even track those numbers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, one of the things I'll say is that we forget sometimes and I'm not big on, you know, let's give everybody a little bit of credit. I think you're right. I think the governor has generally handled this pretty well. And, and one thing to remember is that you know, for you and I, as, as, as people kind of on the front line that get a lot of tips, I mean, I'm sure you've gotten some of the most out-of-the-box kind of wacky tips uh, uh, ever since this started. So have we. Who was, you know, sneezing everywhere? All, you know, you get lots of those things. Remember that the state gets all of this, too. Right. And, and so, you know, the governor every day has to step in front of a camera and talk to us, and we're throwing every question in the book. Hey, we heard that this person you know, licked the microphone before the next person talked, right. all kinds of things like that. And they have to be pretty rapid to come up with answers and to investigate it, to, to be honest with you. That's not the governor doing it personally, uh, but, 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 you know, to, to brief her, I think she did a pretty good job. I saw some folks criticize a little bit about the idea of, uh, of a state of emergency. And now because Charlie Baker's done it and Connecticut has done it, you know, now it seems very normal that I, I sort of thought that would come at some point. Uh, remember, that's a lot about securing the National Guard and getting federal resources. I think you're going to see that happen probably in most states around the country. Um, it, you know, it's it, what's going to come down, what this is, is all going to come down to is exactly how much are we going to see this uh, spread? You know, you're seeing it spread ra obviously rapidly in Washington. Uh, my sister lives in Seattle and she says it's a different city right now. You know, it's, it's just it's, it's much different than it was two or three weeks ago. You don't see as many people out. Everybody's nervous. Uh, you know, New York is starting to really see it um, and, and, you know, see it explode a little bit. Massachusetts, of course, is Rhode Island. You know, again, luckily, you've seen it uh, at least apparently contained to some degree. But boy, I mean, you and I could be talking 
you know, 48 hours from now and you could you could have 100 cases here, in which case uh, it's going to look probably like the governor didn't do enough. Right. Uh, I, so, I, so I think change. in some ways the state is lucky. It has been the low number it has. And you're really seeing Massachusetts. It's really just going through the roof right now. Um, and Mass is, is going to be, I think, right behind New York now. New York is um, a bad outbreak and, and, and things we've never seen before. New Rochelle, New York has the National Guard out. They have a hot zone containment you cannot leave they're going to bring you food and water i mean this <laughs> is like something a little bit out of a movie and if anyone has not seen the movie contagion with gwyneth paltrow and and uh and ben affleck i mean i i, I, I mean excuse me with matt damon i i've watched it now three times and just to see how fast it spreads how the cdc gets in on it um it, it is it, it did seem a little bit but i also understand the governor's people and i spoke with someone today that was saying you got to understand in order to get the type of resources they need you do this. Mass seems to be breaking more. Dan McGowan, while we have you, and again, folks, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. There are some some other stories that uh, that have been in the Globe that are percolating out there that I would like to touch on at the same time. And and one is, um, is there anything you can tell us on? Uh, this has been a, um, a very dramatic season for the PC Friars. Um, anything you can tell us as of yet or is that for some time in the future? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you know, John, you and I talk every week and, you know, I'm a a big sports fan. So uh, I've had the uh, privilege of kind of putting together an interesting profile about uh, Coach Cooley that's going to run in the next couple of days. I'm not exactly sure when it may run right after the Big East tournament. Uh, But, you know, it's been fun to to talk to a lot of friends and family of his who grew up here in Providence. You forget, uh, you know, you, of course, know this, but here's a guy who is a, you know, grew up uh, extremely poor oh, yeah. in South Providence and uh, you know, has, <laughs> this is a guy who was a volleyball player at the high at central high school, who was a, uh, who was a janitor while he was in high school that he did whatever it could to kind of stay in the gym and has this great story about, you know, what he's obviously become. And so uh, the, the interesting thing to connect it with coronavirus is I was literally on the phone with him as he was, on the bus heading to New York and the Big East tournament, of course, is at Madison Square Garden. The Big East says we're we're pushing forward. We're going to we're going to keep this going. And so you'll wonder if uh, you almost feel like potentially that that could change um, or or uh, or something like that, because, uh, the, you know, you see the Ivy League has already has canceled their conference tournament. But there's a lot of money at stake here. There is a lot of money. You know, one thing about Ed Cooley, Dan McGowan, you want to talk about we, you hear people hear about like success stories. That is someone the way he's able to r- relate to the players. This, this was a different era. I, I have had a chance to get to know him over the years. I mean, this is someone you don't hear about this type of stuff where the family was so poor and they had so many kids. So they just like he they put him down the street and another family right. was raising him. I mean, you'd you'd never hear that type of thing today. But at the time, it just it kind of made sense. But he is someone he is. He is the real deal. He is, uh, you know, you want to talk about bringing themselves up, self-made guy. And what I like and I respect about Coach Cooley is he he could have gone and taken the Michigan job. But That's seemingly right. he's got a g- great kid going. Uh, he owns the town. He has, you know, he's a ferocious recruiter. He's really consistently made that program. They get started off a, a tough season, and it's tough because every time they, they lose a couple games, people start saying, bring back Rick Pitino. But, uh, <laughs> but, but Ed Cooley's the real deal. You know, Dan McGowan also, um, boy, with the whole thing of the presidential election, by all accounts, 
I mean, that kind of has been blown out of the water at the same time. It, it's, um, you then wonder about some of the campaigning or shaking hands or rallies or, or just people waiting in line to go and vote. I mean, the, the, we don't know where the bottom is on this whole coronavirus. That, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, you're seeing the, the candidates, you know, right before these last vote, this, the, the, the last uh, couple of states, you know, canceled their events the night, you know, their rallies because they were concerned about coronavirus. You also worry, you know, I, I hate to be morbid about it, but we're talking about pretty old men that are uh, both sides, right? The, the president is, is, of course, an older gentleman. Yes. So is the two leading candidates that, on the Democratic side. And so, you you know, you do wonder what, what they're going to go through. And then uh, uh, more importantly, of course, is, you know, as we, if this takes off, um, you know, you could potentially be going down a route where, God, you know, who knows, will people be able to go to the polls, uh, uh, you know, come November, if this were to really, really kick off for a long time. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is going to play a major role. And suddenly, John, as, as you know, the, the thing that becomes most interesting is suddenly the, the coronavirus becomes and how you deal with pandemics becomes, you know, policy issue number one uh and you wonder i mean you wonder if this is the time for bernie sanders to actually flip back and make that case for you know universal health care uh because potentially people are a little bit worried although it of course looks like uh uh the former vice president is it, it, it seems to be well on his way to the nomination he does and and if anything in in times like this i wonder if people would want to give up their their health care and, and all the right, covers they have to then have to right. even rely on the government. Uh, if anything, I think this plays to um, to Vice President Biden's strengths just because he's been around, experienced the White House so far. I think that really mishandled this whole thing, trying to downplay it. I understand why, uh, but this this could end up becoming a one issue race as we get into the fall. A couple of the topics I just want to touch on while we have you. And again, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro speak with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. This is a minor blip, but it's something that didn't get past me. Uh, you had the obviously you, you broke the story that it certainly seems like Infante Green has thrown down the gauntlet to Randy Weingarten and said by, you know, it, it showing everyone like what she's putting up with dealing with all these text messages. And you have the new superintendent. Now, the Providence Teachers Union head Mary Beth Calabro. Now, she had that scandal, well, not scandal, but she had the controversy, I'll say, about two months yeah. ago. Start off the year. She wasn't even there, claimed that uh, the girls from Mount Pleasant were playing a pilgrim, as you know. Some people were yelling racial uh, slurs, totally false, totally false. Then she said, oh, that's Facebook and, and so forth. Well, I noticed she, the, the Providence schools were reminding children, wash your hands. Uh, it was on social media. And yep. Calabro followed it up with, there's no soap in the Providence schools. And the reason I'm bringing this up, Dan McGowan, is... I noticed that the Providence schools and especially the new superintendent immediately clapped back at her and said, mm -hmm. basically, that is false. If you know of a school, name it and let us know. Tell us next time. Really? And she was unable to come up with any type of school in the past. I just don't remember anyone ever challenging her like that. Now, I know it may seem like a small matter, but to throw that out of your collabro and then have them respond to it instantly and shoot down. Like that is not true. I found that very significant. Your instincts are real are, are spot on in this case. You're right. It's a 
it's a minor thing on a Monday night that plays out, but make no mistake about it. You never see. I, I've dealt with the Providence Teachers Union and whether it's the mayor's office or the Department of Education for years and years and years. And normally you the, 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 the key strategy when it comes to uh, the Providence Teachers Union president saying something, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of lofty or, or, or exaggerating on social media is ignore, ignore, ignore. That's that is always the thing that they do. They they say we're not going to get into a, you know, a shoving match on social media over what the, the teachers union president is saying. In this case, this was very quickly. I mean, in fact, usually what happens the way this works is the the teachers union president will say something, Mary Beth Calabro, the reporters, one of us will, will flag it and say, Hey, Providence schools, the mayor's office, what's going on right. here. And before we could even get to that, the new superintendent was responding, telling us where, you know, let us know where this is. And then in fact saying that, no, in fact, that yes, in the past, that has been a problem, but they've made it very clear that they, you know, want to have the schools, as uh, you know, as resourced up as possible. Remember, John, this is a this is one thing to keep in mind, and you and I addressed this a lot over the summer. But one of the things you notice with with the teachers union in particular is when they get their backs against the wall, whether it's the the Johns Hopkins report, whether it's right now where the, the state you know education commissioner is willing to kind of take them on, is you you suddenly start to push into. Well, the buildings are falling yep. apart or the there's no soap That's in right. the place. And, and you start to try to find those things that the public will, will go back to you, right. right? The public will say, wait, what about those poor teachers? So that's something to really keep sort of an eye on yes. over the next, uh, uh, you know, couple of months, because that's the strategy. And in, in, in fairness to the teachers, it has worked for years and years. It and years. has. And I even noticed uh, they, they immediately shot back. She didn't have any schools to mention. It does seem odd that you would not contact a, a teacher, wouldn't contact a principal. I found it a little hard to believe. I did catch when she was asked about it. She started to say, oh, I was talking about Purell. I was talking about Purell or a lot of kids are washing their hands more. But it showed me, Dan McGowan, that's the broken window theory. They're not going to allow her to put any false statements out. And I think that also comes back to what you uncovered, which was Randy Weingarten, head of the AFT, saying to Afonte Green, hey, we did a poll and the people are with us, so you better watch out. And, yeah. uh, and, and that's the type of stuff. You're exactly right. When you talk about the ceiling tiles and the broken chair and the conditions of the school and there's no soap, they paint this picture. But I think that was uh, very significant. And also, there was a rep. I mean, Mary Ellen Goodwin, very big power player in Providence at the State House, on social media. Oh, my goodness, is this true? And there's the new superintendent shooting it down. I just noticed Laura Hart yeah. immediately issued. Dan, that whole... Um, summer with the John Hopkins report, it seemed as if Calabro had a, had a free lane and could basically That's throw right. as many rocks as she wanted. And then you even saw that you uncovered Infante Green saying to um, Randy Weingarten, hey, I went out of my way not to mention or bash or go after the union, and I got crushed for it by in the media. So I, I think <laughs> we're seeing that there's going to be a, a change in plans, and they're not going to, because you can't, you can't let, if something's a misconception or just plain not true, you, you can, right. perception becomes reality. You can't allow that stuff to fester. What, well, and what, what this is, I mean, John, you know this, uh, I hate to compare everything to, you know, a political campaign, but in it many is. ways, this is very similar. Yes. And 
you know you know how political campaigns especially if you think back to maybe Ramundo Fung or actually go back to Ramundo Tavares Clay Pell where every day there's something new that the that Gina's done wrong or something new that Providence is screwing yeah. up in in that's how these things play out it's it's going to be every day or every couple of days and and the truth is the uh, you know I can't blame my colleagues in the media for it I'm sometimes guilty of it too because the teachers come out and they say, hey, today, a, you know, a, a, a ceiling collapsed on my kid or something like that. And you, you jump to it. The problem is, is you have to understand that there is a broader context here. And the roof falling on the kid's head is terrible. But it's not the exact same thing as what the, what's being fought out in the contract. So you have to be able to kind of have two separate lanes. The teachers are often very, very good at kind of blurring the lines. And it's natural for not just reporters, but of course the public and parents to kind of rally behind the poor teachers without really thinking about, wait a minute, this, there, there's more going on here than just a, a ceiling on, you know, that has crashed or something that like that. That is exactly right. Folks, he's Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dan, each morning I get an email. It's called Roadmap. Tell everyone how they can get it for free. That's right. Every day before 8 a.m., you'll uh, you'll get a little bit of new reporting from me. You'll get our lately. It's been all coronavirus uh, updates from what's going on, uh, both in Massachusetts and in Rhode Island. And then your daily roundup. Where's the governor today? Where's Congressman Sicily? Things like that. If you just send a blank email, it's totally free. Just send a blank email to rinews at globe.com, rinews at globe.com. Um, I'll sign you up. I'll know what it is. And you'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he's Dan McGowan of the Globe. Dan, great job. Wash your hands. We'll talk to you again. <laughs> Thanks, John. Have a This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by MEGA, M-E-G-A, Professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. 508-336-7801. Now, what exactly do they do, MEGA Professionals? They are here to help you run your business by finding you workers. And maybe you need workers. Maybe you need drivers, workers, certified help, part-time, full-time, weekend work, uh, local aka sleep-at-home drivers, class A, B, non-CDL, warehouse workers, mechanics, skilled workers, labor, healthcare professionals, office professionals. You need workers. You need MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals. You're trying to run your business I, listen, it's a hassle trying to hire people, go through all the resumes, set up the interviews. Instead, it's one phone call to help you with your company. MEGA Professionals, 508-336-7801, 508-336-7801 for MEGA Professionals.